Welcome to the Grappling Discourse Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Scaff. Today, I want to talk about competing. I want to talk about hurting other people and a little bit about the carnivore diet. So yeah, I've got a, I got a few topics I've been thinking about over the past week. And so I figured I would just do a longer episode so I can really just kind of give my thoughts and um, views on these things. I want to start, though, with talking about competing. Specifically about that who's number one card that took place Friday night. I look forward to professional grappling events. I mark them on my calendar. I just really, really enjoy watching good grappling. That who's number one card was a big letdown. The main card especially was unwatchable at times. I mean, there were two matches that you know I would just really consider unwatchable. And I understand that guys are coming in, they're trying to work different game plans, they want to win on this stage. But more risk has to be taken, and there needs to be penalties for guys that are not taking risk. Because you guys have heard me talk about the objective and the point of jiu-jitsu, at least in my mind, is to get the submission. That is the ultimate goal. That is the most beautiful aspect in my mind is that Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and submission grappling, there is an ending. There is a finality to it. And when that submission doesn't happen, even if the person gets dominated positionally, it still leaves kind of a sour taste, especially in the fan's mouth. Like when I'm watching a match and I do not see a submission, especially if I don't see submissions being attempted, I just start to wonder, why am I watching? Like this isn't enjoyable. And that's what I found myself thinking in it during a couple of those matches. The Nicky Rod match against Elder Cruz was, I mean, there was zero jiu-jitsu display. Yes, there were a couple of shots taken, but, I mean, I, I don't want to watch 15 minutes of two guys gonna, that are going to take, you know, three or four shots throughout the entire match. Same things with Craig Jones, Pedro Mourinho. I was really hoping that one of them would commit. And a lot of guys are just playing Craig Jones in a way that makes him unwatchable. Craig Jones is one of my favorite guys to watch. He's had some of the most phenomenal runs in jiu-jitsu history. Now, while he's never really won a major title, he's come up short a handful of times. And each one of those times, it's been uh, just remarkable to watch him compete. That ADCC first run where he beat Leandro Lowe and Merlo Santana. A couple of his EBI runs, especially the one where he almost beat Gordon in overtime. And then even his last ADCC run was was amazing. The way that he beat Thor was it just showed like the level that he's at. But guys right now are just they're avoiding him. They 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 know how to beat him. They know how to stall him out. They know how to edge decision victories. We saw Sean Brady do it, and then we just saw Pedro Mourinho do it. Now, in a little defense to to Pedro Mourinho, he did pass almost immediately when Craig pulled. But that was the only match of a match that should have been super exciting. And I've talked about penalties before, but I really think that grappling, as it tries to approach a level of professionalism that the sport has never seen before, as we start to approach this ADCC that is supposed to put grappling on the mat, it is supposed to really launch this sport into a new era. We cannot have matches like that. We just cannot. Athletes cannot perform like that on the big stages. I found myself watching Friday night and just really wishing I was back watching the PGF. 
while the PGF didn't have any world-class guys, I mean, didn't have any of the top 10 guys based on Flo's grappling rankings, all of the matches except maybe one. So of 100 matches, I mean, there was one boring match. And to me, that's that's really telling. It just it tells me a lot about the athletes that were competing and the mindset that they were coming in with. They were coming in to get the submission. And so while Pedro Mourinho and Elder Cruz won their match, it was a bad night for the B team. I just felt like, I mean, nobody won. Yeah, Pedro won a decision, but did he really? I mean, is he really the champ? He didn't submit Craig Jones. He didn't do anything to him. Same thing with Elder Cruz. It's so much different, you know, when you watch Ty Rutolo. So Ty had his match against Levi Leary Jones, and he was attacking the entire time. Both guys, I thought Levi looked really good. His guard was holding up for the most part. He never truly got past, but he was on his back foot, especially at that five-minute mark. He, he really started to find himself on his back foot, and he was having a really tough time getting dominant grips on Ty. Ty enters into the legs and, and he hit a beautiful leg lock variation like a knee bar variation it, it was just perfect and I, just such a good match but again when the rest of the card doesn't really live up to expectations and especially when you've got two or three matches that are I mean pretty much you're just watching anti-grappling it, it ruins even a performance as special as Ty's was now, if the rest of the card was like that, to me, it would just would have showcased, you know, what Ty did and, and even a couple of the other competitors, because not all the matches were boring, but what leaves, you know, the impression that you're left with after an event like that is like, man, I mean, this was really boring. I don't, I don't know how people watch this. And so who's number one or ADCC or whatever, they just have to do a better job of calling stalling penalties. They need to seriously disqualify competitors that are not there to get the submission. If this is a submission-only event, if you are not trying to put yourself in position to get the submission, then you need to receive a stalling penalty. And I'm telling you, I really believe, as unfair as this may sound, some competitors need to get banned from these professional events. The sport will not grow with some of these people getting onto the main card of big events. It just will not grow. Oh, well, this guy's a really, he's a matchup nightmare for everybody. Yeah, because he doesn't do anything, you know. And Pedro Mourinho is super exciting. I really enjoyed his no-gi world's run. I've really enjoyed some of his submission underground runs. So I just think it was stylistically against Craig Jones, uh, just a bad matchup. Neither guy took any risks, especially when Craig decided to stand up instead of pull guard. So I'm not saying ban Pedro Mourinho, but it's kind of like one of those things like, man, you know, if Pedro's invited back and his neck one or two matches look like that, like, yeah, then I am saying ban, ban Pedro. Like, I don't want to see him on the who's number one stage if he's not, you know, if he's going to be having matches like that. Same thing with Craig Jones. Same things with any of these guys. I'm a fan, and I want to watch exciting and entertaining grappling. And if I'm not entertained, somebody that's as into grappling as me, then how are we expecting this sport to grow? So, please, organizations out there, do not invite guys that are going to put on matches like that. Please keep inviting the Rutoles, a lot of these young guns, Colabates, 
Tackett brothers. I mean, these guys are constantly going forward. Kill or be killed, they're going to have exciting matches. And competitors need to realize that they hurt their stock when they get in matches like that. It is better for you to go out there and get submitted than go out there and win a decision like that. Because if you get submitted, I mean, yeah, I get it. It's a loss on your record, and nobody wants to take a loss like that. But it's still exciting, and it's still like people want to see you grapple again. Like I saw David Garmo, and he lost to Jacob Couch. I didn't think, like, man, I hope David Garmo never gets invited back. Like, no, like David Garmo, he goes after it. Kill or be killed. I mean, he's a guy I want to see compete because I know his matches are going to be fun to watch. Moving on to the next topic. Got to talk a little bit about the diet. And the carnivore diet is a diet that, as you guys know, I've been very vocal that I've been on for the past, I mean, coming on two years. I mean, it's been probably 19 months now. And it's funny, I was listening to one of the new Joe Rogan episodes. So Joe Rogan had the knees over toes guy, a guy that I've talked about before. Um, he is incredible. He's really helped a lot of people. He's helped Joe Rogan, um, you know, fix his knees and strengthen his knees. And he's doing that with a lot of athletes. I really am a big fan of his program. I I really started using a lot of the, uh, the exercises that he was recommending from his Instagram page. And I'm telling you my, especially my hamstrings have never been stronger. You guys know, or probably some of you guys know that I had a horrific hamstring injury when I was 16, like grade three tear, one of the worst hamstring tears that the doctors had seen when I came in. It was really, really bad. And it completely messed up my soccer career. Man, if I would have known about like Nordic hamstring curls and ATG split squats and just so many of these other exercises, I could have easily rehabbed from that and I could have been back playing soccer at the highest level. But if I would have had that beforehand, I know I wouldn't have been injured. Or if I had, the injury would have been way, 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 way less. At the time, I was doing tons of quad-dominant exercises, just a lot of squats and a lot of leg presses. That's just what my strength and conditioning coach had me do at school. He was the wrestling coach. He was the assistant football coach. So he just knew, hey, we're going to lift heavy. So I was constantly lifting heavy with my quads, and I just wasn't balancing my hamstrings out. Again, if I would have known about Nordic hamstring curls and had started doing them at a younger age, I I just know, man, things might have been different. Maybe I wouldn't be playing professional soccer somewhere or on like a a league two somewhere. Who knows? But my knees, my legs, they feel stronger and healthier than they've ever been before. My joints. But I got to talk about that carnivore diet because it's just funny, you know, listening to him talk, the knees over toes guy. His diet, so last year he did basically what I did, except he had no cheat meals, but he ate all meat and fruit. Did not have anything else, just meat and fruit. And he had fruit at night, so the fruit was his dessert, but he basically eats two meals a day. He was talking about how he's big into like rotisserie chicken at noon, and then at night when he's eating dinner, he has a lot of protein, obviously. He doubles up on the protein, and then he has fruit right afterwards. And he said that he's never felt better. It's um, a diet that he's going to stick with because of the results he's gotten and just how he feels. 
and I'm seeing more and more people. Now I've had, what, I think, five or six people like truly change their lifestyle from listening to the podcast and talking to me that have stuck with the carnivore diet. And every single one of them says it's the best they've ever felt. They've all lost tons of weight. They all are seeing just results that they didn't expect. One guy was telling me, and he feels like his teeth are getting wider. He's just like, man, I feel like I had stains on my teeth that just wouldn't go away. And he's like, I swear, I've been on this diet now for six, seven months, and my teeth are starting to get wider. And those are the type of things that I tell you I recognize and um, that it's happened to me. And so if you are interested in changing your life, I really think that you should give this a, give this a shot. Meat and fruit. Just do meat and fruit. You don't have to do the full carnivore. I, I'm actually added fruit back in just listening to Dr. Paul Saladino and a couple of the other top guys. And, um, you know, while I'm not eating fruit every meal or even every day, I, I do enjoy fruit multiple days a week, usually for dessert, exactly like the knees over toes guy. I think his name is Ben Patrick. I should probably use that instead of the knees over toes guy. But definitely check out that Joe Rogan episode and just please consider making that lifestyle change. But the thing I really uh, want to talk about, I had to get those two things out, but the thing I really want to talk about is hurting people. What happens after you hurt somebody? Like you hurt somebody, not somebody hurts you. What happens immediately after you hurt somebody? So a couple of weeks ago, I hurt one of our students at 10th Planet Decatur. We were rolling, this guy's like experienced, he's probably 40 pounds bigger than me, maybe even 50. And we were rolling and he just, he always, he rolls hard. And I was matching his pace. I thought we were having a competitive round. I mean, I should say we were having a competitive round and I ended up taking his back and I face crushed him. And when I face crushed him, he tapped and he stood up and he started to walk away. And I was like, Hey man, everything good. And he said, no, everything's not good. I had no idea. I thought maybe, okay, maybe he's a little mad that I face crushed him or I didn't know. Maybe he's super tired because he was breathing really hard. I didn't think anything of it. And I just went on rolling. I, I rolled with somebody else. Well, a couple of rounds later, probably three rounds later, he came back into the mat room and he was bleeding. And I was like, oh man. So I went up to him and he had a big cut like underneath his lip. Like the cut was like an inch. I mean, it was a deep cut. So I'm guessing his bottom teeth went through his lip and the way that he was defending it just made his teeth, like put it at an angle where his teeth went through his lip because he had a mouth garden and everything. And so I was shocked. I mean, I, I've been using face locks and face crushes for years now. And I've never seen that. Like, yeah, I've bloodied a few people's lips, but nothing like this. I mean, his lips split for like, there was like an inch. So not his actual, like the, the skin underneath his lip is what split. And it was, it was gnarly looking. At the end of the day, it's not like a ACL or anything like that. I, I've punctured my lip and tongue, like bit a hole through both my lip and tongue. And honestly, your mouth heals incredibly fast. I was shocked how fast it healed. So I knew it wasn't like a serious injury, but I still felt bad. And I was like, oh, dude, I'm so sorry. But I could tell he wasn't really interested in hearing my apology. And that's natural right? Here's the first thing you have to recognize. After you hurt somebody, they're probably going to be a little mad at you. Just naturally, even if they tell you like, hey, like, I get it, we were rolling hard, not your fault, or even after a competition, they're still, whenever they feel that pain, 
they are going to think a negative thought about you. And you just have to accept that, right? This is a combat sport. Injuries do happen. You are going to injure somebody. If you've been training for, you know, any length of time, there's going to come a point where you injure somebody. You just have to accept like, okay, you know, that person's probably going to be a little mad at me for a period of time. Now, how long that that takes for them to kind of forgive you and get over it is really up to the person. And it really depends on the injury. Now, this one, again, like I said, it wasn't serious. Um, so it's not like I, I tore his ACL or, or like ripped his shoulder off. But, you know, he was bleeding pretty good. And I'm sure for four or five days he was uh, definitely it was uncomfortable eating. And I did feel bad. And to me... After you've apologized, there's really nothing else you can do. Over the years, I've hurt four people and I've injured one. So I would classify this last one as I hurt him. An injury is something to me that 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 really like somebody needs to get like a surgery for. Or they're off the mats for like months. Like they physically cannot get on the mats. And the one injury that I did, I did it to a purple belt and I popped his arm really bad. And that's a whole nother story, but you know, the guy, he just basically, he wasn't tapping and I extended on the arm bar. So I just, I went after the arm bar and it popped like really good. And it really, I mean, it hurt his arm. So that's the only time that I've caused an injury. So, oh, I mean, you think about thousands and thousands of round. I mean, that's not a bad track record. I mean, everybody at some point again is going to, going to hurt or injure somebody. So to only do five times as much as I train, I'm actually pretty proud of that. But like I said, I assume every single one of those people, they probably, especially if they think about the situation, even if it was during like a hard round or, you know, you let go of the tap immediately or whatever, they're still going to be a little irritated with you. I know all the people that have injured me. I was a little irritated with them for at least a couple of days afterwards. One in particular, I, I injured up, uh, you know, somebody kind of hurt my neck. They just put me in a real weird position and yanked on something and pulled one of my neck muscles and I was definitely upset with them for, for about a month. You know, I, I didn't let it affect my relationship with them, but kind of in the back of my mind, I was like, ah, oh, man, I was, I was just irritated with them. And I was like, man, why did they have to It's really dumb? And I was getting ready to compete. I had actually had a tournament coming up and it just completely messed up the preparation for that. And I ended up not doing as well as I should have because of that. And I blamed it on them. And I'm fair or not, that's just what we're going to do as human beings. I saw a couple of really nasty submissions at the PGF. There were two in particular, like where somebody got really hurt. The David Evers Gio Ortiz is one that I think about. You know, if you watch the PGF finale, you saw that knee bar that David Evers hit on Gio Ortiz. And I mean, Gio got significantly hurt like his knee now whether or not he tore some ligaments I mean he's definitely not going to be training the way he would like to for the next month easily maybe even longer than that and again while it's even during competition I just as a human being when somebody hurts you you you're going to hold that against them and so after you apologize like I said that there's really nothing nothing else you can do um, but here's the thing, right? You have to go after the submissions. And this is the thing I really want to talk about is the mindset, right? 
if you're injuring somebody that's like way smaller than you, or, you know, you're a you know, 175 pound male and you're injuring like females. And again, if you develop this track record, this is a completely different thing. Like you are a terrible training partner, but if you're somebody like me who has very, very few cases over the years and, you know, 95% of the people or probably 99% of the people that have rolled with you would go, yeah, I mean, maybe he kicked my butt, but, you know, I didn't feel like he was like trying to hurt me or I felt safe the entire time. Then this is what I'm talking about. You have to go after the submission. I hear so many times guys say, well, I'd rather let go of the submission than go to the point where I end up injuring my training partner or even injuring somebody I'm competing against. I just think that's faulty thinking and you're not truly a martial artist. Like a martial artist has both sides, right? You have the poetic and artistic side, but you also have the warrior side. And in my opinion, if I'm rolling with somebody that's been training for a few years, especially if they're my size or bigger and we're getting after it, then if I get you in a heel hook and you don't tap and I pop your leg, like that's on you, you know, like you should have tapped way quicker or I I don't know. I just look at it as that's part of the sport. And if you don't tap, then I mean, I got to put this lock. I have to, I have to know that my locks work. And this is the only time I have to really train it. And so I get the signal right when you tap. So if you tap super early, I get the signal that, okay, my lock was going to work. But if you keep letting it go, I don't know. Maybe there's been times I thought I had a deep heel hook or I thought I had an arm bar. Noah Randolph from the PGF, like there's been a few times I thought I had deep arm bars on him. Uh, yeah, deep arm bars on him. And he just, he finds a way to escape. He hits that corkscrew escape and he does it beautifully and he just escapes and there's been times I've had guys in heel hooks I'm like man and you suck it I'm gonna break your leg and it doesn't and those have been huge learning moments for me and so I mean you have to go for the submission and so while I never want to hurt somebody so you know a couple of weeks ago when, when I hurt his face in that face lock like I didn't want to do that but the way he was defending I mean, he was not letting me under his chin. He's got 40, 50 pounds on me. He's super strong. Like, there was no way I was going to get underneath his neck. And so I went across his face. And just unfortunately, that happened. I split his lip real bad. And again, I feel bad for it, but I would do it again just because I've, I've got to go for the submission. Now, if it's something that's against the rules, obviously, you're a dirty grappler. You're not a good training partner. But, I mean, if you're if you're getting after it and you're having a, you know, a hard round go for the submission and I, I really feel like everybody should should understand like ah, okay you know we're having a hard round if something happens it's just part of the sport it's part of the martial art it's part of fighting and this is ground fighting you listen to a lot of guys you know in the UFC they'll talk all the time about how most of their injuries take place during grappling whether it's Brazilian jiu-jitsu or wrestling now the head trauma is obviously going to come from the stand-up but you don't really hear about guys like breaking things or like having like horrible injuries from stand-up it almost always happens during the jujitsu or the wrestling portion of their training camps and a lot of guys think they're like man mma is safer because look you get knocked out yeah it's bad for your brain but i mean you can come back and you can get back into the gym and start training right away 
Yes, there are some effects from getting knocked out, but it's not the same as like, man, if somebody mangles your leg in a leg lock or they rip a Kimura on you and you just physically cannot use your arm or your legs get tangled up during a takedown and you, you know, tear every single one of the ligaments in your leg. I've heard about people breaking, you know, everything from their femur to the the two bones in their, you know, leg to their feet. Just so many really bad injuries from just takedowns, not even submissions. So injuries are going to happen and you are going to be the cause of them. In truth, all you can do is apologize and do your best to be a good training partner. Right? But part of being a good training partner is going after the submission and letting people know where, hey, you know, you made a mistake, right? There's times like, okay, you know, I don't have to face lock you if you just lift your neck. Well, I don't want to lift my neck because then you'll choke me. Well, you're giving me no choice but to go for the face lock. Same thing's true with the heel hook, right? Same thing's true for every submission. Every time you get tapped, it's the mistake that you made. So I hope that eases some of your guys' mind because, again, I know a lot of people out there that are just, like, horrified of, of injuries and stuff, especially being the cause. And, again, it's not a good feeling. It's definitely not something – I mean, I've only done five over the decade-plus that I've been training. And, again, I train every single day. So it's not something I'm like, man, I just – I get this rush from injuring people. Like, no, I mean, I've hurt five people, and they've been really minor stuff and then one bad one. Um, so <laughs> it's definitely not something you get a rush over. But, uh, yeah, definitely take that advice. And if you're one of those people that's like, I just let go of submissions, I'm telling you, you're really, really hurting your game. You are really hurting your game. Go after submissions. Just make sure that you're not doing it to somebody that's like, like you know, you're a, a purple belt and you're 175 pounds and you're doing it to the 135-pound teenage white belt. Like, that's not cool. That's not cool at all. That's never cool. But somebody that's, a you know, been training for a few years, they're a colored belt, they're your size or bigger, to me, you're rolling hard, everything's fair game. You know, if you feel like the other person would yank on your foot, then, I mean, you kind of got to do likewise back. Not in a mean way, but just, hey, that's what we're doing. That's the point of this art. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Until next time, I love and appreciate you. Peace.